Afternoon. Thanks for coming. This is our last um, Lord teaches how to pray prayer session. Um, so yeah, thank you for yeah, just your hunger, your desire to connect with God. You can imagine what that means to Him. Hopefully, this has been helpful. Um, yeah, we just know that an openness to God, a hunger for God, is always met. Maybe not in the way we want, maybe not in the timing we want, but uh, he's not going to disappoint. So, yeah. Tonight we're talking about healing, um, praying about healing, praying in a way that we, al- we allow God to come close to us and give us his healing. Um, so just be kind to yourself. Some of this might be kind of tough. Stuff might come up, and that's okay. Um, there's also no pressure as we talk about this, to go dredging through our lives and digging up stuff. If God wants to bring stuff up, he will. Um, He does things in his own time, and his time is a good time, so really don't have to worry about that. But Jesus, one of the things he comes to do is to heal. And, um, yeah, maybe that's a helpful question for us. Like, when I think of Jesus in my life, do I think of him as somebody who heals me, who brings healing? Uh, Because that's really central to yeah, to what he's here to do. If you just even flip open the Gospel of Mark, like just kind of looking down at the little section titles after you get through oh, the baptism temptation, the next page has the cure of the demoniac, the cure of Simon's mother-in-law, other healings, the cleansing of a leper, the healing of a paralytic. So it's just like, he's just healing every. Like what he does is heals. So that's, that's part of, not even just part of, but central to his mission. Pope Benedict tells us that if we understand healing at a sufficiently deep level, meaning all the way down to the level of the depths of our soul, if we understand healing at a sufficiently deep level, this healing is the entire content of our redemption. So our our salvation, our redemption, and healing um, go hand in hand. They're almost the same thing. So we need to be healed by God. That's what God's salvation is for us. So we'll start... um, well, we're already started. We will continue with a prayer. And I'm going to read from Isaiah 61. Um, this is the passage that Jesus went to when he was invited to speak in the synagogue. They gave them the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he says he found this passage. So he went and looked for this passage. And it's kind of the beginning of his ministry. And so it's a form of a, maybe a declaration of what he is about not only at that time, but in your life and in my life, what, what we're going to read here is what Jesus picks up to read. And so you can imagine him saying this to you, like as he draws close to you, him saying these words. So let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, release to the prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord, a day of vindication by our God, to comfort all who mourn, to place on those who mourn in Zion a diadem instead of ashes, to give them oil of gladness instead of mourning, a glorious mantle instead of a faint spirit. Jesus, we ask that you would draw near to us, 
Show us your deep desire to bring us healing and freedom. Draw us into deeper and deeper communion with you and the Father and the Spirit. Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us to receive all that you desire for us. And Mary, we ask that you would be our mother, a mother of mercy. You would be attentive to us, to pray with us and for us. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So again, Jesus comes to heal. And if he comes to heal, that implies, of course, that we are wounded. Some of you, when I say that, you're like, yeah, tell me about it. Others of you are maybe like, nah, maybe not, not so much, I don't know. Uh, but it's true that all of us have wounds in our lives. For, certainly we, have, we know what physical wounds are. You've been physically wounded. You know what that is. We're pretty accustomed to that. But also emotionally, spiritually, like we have been wounded in our souls and in our hearts. Those wounds, especially the deepest wounds, often happen in regards to our relationships. Um, yeah, and for better or for worse, a lot, of th- a lot of times the people who wound us are the people who are closest to us. Um, especially when we talk about, yeah, just stuff that really affects our hearts. And so we're going to be talking about that. And one thing that's just helpful to preface is, you know, if we're talking about ways in which maybe you were wounded in different ways by your parents, we're not saying your parents are evil people. I'm not saying we have to condemn them or anything like that, but we're all sinners. Amen? And because we're all sinners, we sin against each other. Right? I don't just sin into a void. No, I sin against other people. I, Father Scott, have sinned against you. I've sinned against other people. So too, our, fa- our parents have sinned against us. And again, that's not saying they're evil. It's just saying that they're, they're one of us. And even just recognizing that... Um, yeah, when we really recognize that with God's help, we don't love people less. We don't love our parents less. If anything, we love them more. It leads to more understanding, more mercy, more compassion. So you don't have to worry about that. But it's true that, again, all of us have been wounded. And our wounds, especially when they're not um, attended to, they continue to affect us. So they don't go away. Again, when they're not attended to, they continue to affect us. You know what it's like if you have a cut and you've been trained well, what do you do? Clean it out, right? Like you just know this. Some of you ranchers are like, put some dirt on <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, you need to attend to it. What happens if you have like a bad cut and you just are like, nope, not my problem. I'm just going to get over it. And you just leave it. Is that going to go well? Probably not. No, eventually it's going to get infected. And then the more you forget about that, the worse it's going to get. I uh, had a buddy and... Um, he had stepped on a nail, had a wound from a nail, and didn't wash it out, and uh, didn't attend to it in any way, didn't do a single thing about it. And um, this went on for quite some time. Eventually, it became apparent that he had a wound there because, for lack of a better word, stuff was coming out of it. Uh, and he had had this terrible infection in his foot. And um, so bad, in fact, that some of his bones... There's a, I'm sure there's a medical term for this, um, started getting gooey. Like they started becoming less bony. I don't know how you describe it. So it was this whole deal. Now, why did he do that? It wasn't because he was just irresponsible. It's because he, when he was a little kid, um, had, has spina bifida. So he doesn't have feeling on, on certain parts of his body, including the back of his legs and the bottom of his feet. So he never felt it. 
So it's interesting. He didn't feel the pain. Although that pain would have been really helpful. Do you notice? Like that pain is good because it, it helps us see where our wounds are. So also, as we kind of move into this realm of woundedness, it's okay to feel our own pain because it alerts us to where our wounds are so that we can find healing for them. A lot of our life, unfortunately, a lot of my life, maybe just me, is spent running away from my own pain. You been there? We talked about, I keep, it's like it's confession time when Father gets up to preach, you know, because I'm like, I've told you about it before, a lot of times I'm getting ready to go to bed and I'm like, I need some food, you know? Do I need food? No. I'm just sad or I'm angry or something and I don't want to feel like that so maybe if I eat food I'll feel better right and again I don't want to imply that I'm just like every time I leave this church I'm just miserable all the time but we spend a lot of time and energy running away from our own pain but our pain is a good thing it's a health healthy thing and it alerts us to where we're wounded okay so when it comes to our wounds the goal is not to get over it or to move on when you got stuff going on, even memories that come up from the past, people that you're having a hard time forgetting, sometimes we say, why can't I just get over it, right? But your heart won't let you get over it because your heart's doing a good job. Okay, your heart will not let you just get over it, and that's okay. That's your heart doing a good job. So the goal is not to get over it, to move on, because it doesn't work. Sometimes, too, when stuff comes up from the past, we're like, what? It doesn't make any sense to bring up the past, to dredge up these things from the past, to go digging up the past. That would be true if the past didn't affect you so much. Your past affects you. It drives you. It, 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 it influences you. Our past doesn't get left behind. We put it in our backpack, and then we carry it around, right? So we're not digging up the past. It's, the past is right here. There are all these things that affect us. Um, because they've happened to us. One day I was going for a run up the hill, yonder hill, Valley View. Valley View people, shout out. And um, somebody's garage was about half open. And uh, I was just going for a run, and I realized, like, I felt a little bit afraid of their garage, which doesn't make sense, you know? And I just noticed, like, what is going on? I'm, I'm going to run. I'm afraid of this garage. What is that all about? And I remembered that a year and a half before that, I had gotten bitten by a pit bull, and it ran out of a garage, and the door was about half open. So really interestingly, I wasn't consciously thinking about that in any way, but my heart had held on to a moment of the past, and it was alerting me that I wasn't safe. I was saying, be careful, right? Watch out for the garage. I don't need to be afraid of garages anymore, I hope. Keep your dogs inside, please. Um, you know, but my heart was trying to alert me to something. So that was a helpful way. Unfortunately, though, if we experienced, yeah, in a time of neediness, we talk about this a lot, in a time when you just needed help, you needed somebody to protect you, to help you, to stand up for you, if no one was there, then for the rest of your life, when you start moving towards this place of neediness, what's going to happen? Your heart's going to start freaking out. And it's trying to take care of you, but it's also making you afraid of being needy, of needing help. And if that's the case, then it's really hard to ask for help. Amen? And then people don't help you because you won't ask them. Would they like to help you? Yeah, probably, because they love you. But it becomes hard to ask. So that's just kind of a rough example of how these things affect us into the future. So the goal is not to get over it, to move on, and we're not digging up the past because our brains are literally constructed of the past. The past is written into your brain meat. So... Um, so we, what we need is healing. Healing is different than fixing. 
Like when you have a problem with your car, you take it in, really usually at the end, like that part's just gone. It's replaced. So it's just gone now. So healing doesn't make the wound go away. So it doesn't mean, yeah, you just forget about it, you move on. And we see that in Jesus himself. So Jesus was deeply wounded. We know even emotionally he was wounded. He was betrayed. He, he felt forsaken on the cross. He experienced abandonment. People mocked him. The people that he loved, he cared about, mocked him, insulted him. But also physically he is wounded, right? Talk about these five wounds of Jesus on his hands and his feet and his side. After he was raised from the dead, did he still have those wounds? Yeah. Now, they were different. We don't believe that they were just like all bleeding and and terrible and things like that. So he still had the wounds, but they'd been healed. And afterwards, his wounds uh, in some ways became a badge of, of love, of beauty. He shows them off. When he first appears to his apostles, he's like, look, look at my hands, look at my side, like it's me. So there's something, some way in which his, his wounds have become beautiful, and now they are an access point for people to draw close to him. Even Thomas has this conviction of like, unless I, unless I see the holes in his hands and put my finger in his, in his side, I will not believe. There's a lot going on there, but Jesus invites him to do that. He says, come, you know, come put your finger in my side and see that it's me. So his wounds are part of his identity, and that's okay, but they're also healed, they're attended to, and so they're different. When we receive God's healing, the wounds don't go away, but they are transformed, and a lot of times they become, in some way, a font of healing towards other people. You know what it's like when, yeah, you've just experienced something difficult, and maybe you've, you've moved through it well, or you've been loved in it, how you know how have a capacity to love people going through that same thing, Right? I've even just seen, yeah, among some of you, like people who have lost a spouse and the compassion they're able to show to another person who's lost a spouse because of it. You know, there's a, there's a unique love that you can show. So our wounds don't go away, but they are transformed. Okay, so again, healing doesn't mean fixing. It doesn't make it, make it go away. So, so what, is, what is healing then? Um, I don't know if we can give it a strict definition, but essentially it's love. So the reason our hearts hold on to these moments, these events of our life, and don't let go, is because our hearts know that they're made for love. So that's programmed in every cell of your heart. Your heart just knows, I'm supposed to be loved. And so in moments when we're not loved, or when we're harmed, our hearts really cry out and they say, I need need love here. And so they wait there. And they hold on to that thing until they get loved. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So what our hearts need is love. And when we say love, we're also talking about relationship. We, we need relationships there. The places where we f- feel most deeply wounded in our lives, we also feel alone. Right? That's part of what is so wounding about experiences of our life. We feel like nobody understands. Nobody's coming. Nobody cares. Nobody's here to protect me. It's the aloneness of it Oftentimes, that's the most painful part of it. Two people can experience the exact same thing, but if one of them is loved well in the midst of it and the other one is alone, they're going to, um, yeah, that thing is going to affect them very, very, very differently. So what our hearts need is love. Fortunately, we have a God who loves us. Amen?
He wants to draw close to us. And he wants to draw close to us in these places of woundedness. First, he just wants to be there. And then he wants to attend to us. This can feel like a real paradox, but God has always been there in every moment of your life. There's never been a moment when he wasn't there. At the same time, I think if we're honest with ourselves, it feels like as we remember the moments of our life, it feels like rarely do we see him. Yeah? It's just hard to see him. So oftentimes healing is allowing God to show us how he was with us in a time when we didn't realize it. So healing happens both now, but in a way because of God, because of the fact that he's eternal, it also happens in the past. So God can heal your past. He can show up even in the past. He can show you where he was then at that time, how it affected him, what that was like for him. And when we receive his presence, even if it's in the past, it sets us free. It affects us. It transforms things. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, I was helping somebody on a retreat as a spiritual director, and um, yeah, she just... As we were praying and stuff, you could just tell, and she admitted herself, like, she just, she's a perfectionist. Tries to make everything perfect. And, um, yeah, even, yeah, as stuff was going on with God, there was just a sense of her saying, like, what do I need to do to fix this, you know? Like, give me a plan and I'll fix it. Now, that doesn't work with God, if you haven't noticed, right? Because he wants to take care of you. That kind of ruin the end of this, but he wants to love you. And so you don't get to love yourself. You don't get to take care of yourself. He wants, to, he wants to play a role in that. But she just sensed this perfectionism, which deep down was a fear. And the fear was, I don't have what it takes to make everything right. So I have to try really, really hard. And it's all on me. And I have to figure this out. And as we were just noticing that and praying with that, I just kind of invite her to allow God yeah, to bring up a time in her life when she learned this, when she kind of learned to be like this, or, or a relationship in which she was taught to be this way, or, or something like that. Let God bring up whatever he wants. And as she prayed, she had this memory of being in high school, of this just really hard time in her life. And so she had had a boyfriend for some time, and they had broken up, and it was just really painful. It was a very painful breakup. So she felt yeah, really kind of abandoned, alone, heartbroken in that situation because of this breakup. Unfortunately, too, at, at, at that same time, close to that same time, she was playing basketball and um, big into sports, and she tore her ACL. And so she remembers like that moment when that happened. So she's already having a hard time. She tears her ACL and just collapses on the floor you know, as she remembers this, it's just a terrible memory. It's just, it's just really, really, really hard. And in that place, there's a feeling of, in her heart of like, I am so weak, I'm so helpless. And so in that place of pain, she made a commitment. And that commitment was, was I'm not going to need anyone. Because right now I need people, and the people I need aren't here. They're not here to take care of me. So I'm not going to need anyone. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be strong enough to do it. So she made this commitment to try to take care of herself, which is understandable, right? But again, unfortunately, now, years later, 
God's trying to draw near to her and take care of her, and he's bumping up against this commitment of her heart that says, no, no, I don't need help. I don't need anyone to take care of me. I'm going to try hard. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it on my own. So in her example, or in that experience, we can see what, what some people call the anatomy of a wound, the way that a wound often works. And there's no, this is not universal, but this is kind of gives us some sense of what this is like. So we are wounded. We have experiences of woundedness that are painful. And out of this pain, we often try to just make sense of it. We've talked about this a lot before. Confusion is very painful. And so we try to make sense. But oftentimes in that place of pain, especially when we don't receive God and his truth into it, we're tempted to believe something that's not true. Um, Yeah, when we talked last week, we were kind of practicing, and we were talking about lies. Do you remember this? And we talked about this idea of, um, yeah, what word comes to mind when I, I'll say the part of a sentence and then a word comes to mind. And the sentence is, why are you so, fill in the blank. That word that comes to mind is often a lie, especially if it's heavy, if it feels kind of lonely. Why are you so, whatever it is, stupid, weak, ugly, bad, whatever the thing is. And oftentimes that idea comes to us in a place of pain. So this young gal has this experience, breakup, hurt leg, and then the idea that comes to mind is, I am so what? Weak. I'm just so weak. Like I'm too weak. And because that's really painful, she makes a commitment. What? I'm not going to be weak anymore. I'm not going to need help anymore. A lot of times in our place of pain, we, get, we come to believe the lie that we're too needy, that we're too sensitive, that we are a burden. If you have an experience of abandonment, a lot of times you feel like, I am a burden to people. People don't want to take care of me. So inside we have the wound, and to make sense of it, we come to believe things that often are not true. But in response to these things we come to believe, we make a commitment. So again, if somebody experiences abandonment, nobody shows up when they need them, they say, I must be too needy. That's why this hurts so much. So what? What's the commitment? Can you imagine? I'm not going to need anyone. No more. I'm not going to need help. I'm not going to need anything. If you're not that person, you know that person. Yeah? And again, just to really understand, like it, this is just us trying to take care of ourselves. So you, if you can relate to any of this, it's like, well, yeah, we live in a broken world. And, and oftentimes we don't know that God's there and we don't know how to deal with it and there aren't people to show us that, which is part of what's tough. And so we do these things and, you know, it kind of gets us through. It helps us cope. But then eventually when we want to draw deep into a relationship with God, these things are not helpful anymore. Yeah, so I myself just, yeah, I can tell in certain ways, like, I really want God the Father to be my father. And I'm also really afraid of God the Father being my father. And part of that, not all of it, but part of that comes from the fact that my parents got divorced. And there was a day when I heard the news that my parents were getting divorced. I was in high school. But my dad sat me down and told me that he was leaving. So this moment, I mean, that's just hard, yeah? I mean, that's a hard thing regardless. Just on the surface, divorce just tough. It's tough for everybody. It's tough for him, tough for my mom, you know. But also, what did I experience in that moment? 
It was like, my dad's just, he's going away now. And he, he didn't say, I'm not going to be your dad anymore. He didn't say, I don't love you. He didn't say, I don't care about you. But unfortunately, my experience of that moment was an experience of deep abandonment. And it felt like, I don't have a dad anymore, and I don't have a family anymore. It's like, what was a family just felt like it was broken apart, and now we're just people. Like, we have, there's kind of a line of relationships here, but there's no family. The family's gone. And so again, I, I just felt abandoned. I felt like, I don't have a dad now. And I felt unsafe. I didn't feel chosen. I didn't feel protected. And again, my dad wasn't, <laughs> he was trying to be very kind. But my experience of it was real abandonment. And so, I feel this wound of abandonment. And what's the belief I come to believe in that moment? Probably a lot of different ones. But one of them is like, I can't rely on people. Because they're going to leave. So I can't really trust people, I can't rely on people, because they're going to go away. So that's the wound, is the abandonment, the lie or the belief that's not true is I can't rely on anyone. I'm not safe. And so the commitment is, okay, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm not going to let anyone take care of me. I'm not going to need anyone because they might not be there and that's too scary. And again, that happened a couple minutes. Quick thing. And literally years later, you know, I'm being trained to be a priest and going through all this stuff and at the time I thought you know what this isn't like people would approach me about the divorce and I'd be like oh it's not so bad you know they're very different my mom and dad and you can try to explain things away and I didn't realize like whoa how deep this had gone in me and not until years later when really yeah, God the Father's showing up and he's just showing me like he's my actual father and he wants to be a dad to me but unfortunately what's connected in my brain with fatherhood and a dad it's abandonment and so the alarm bells kind of grow, go off and something in me is like, no, I can't trust you. There's this panic. You know, sometimes I'll be on a retreat and for a while it feels like God's not showing up and there's this panic of like, nobody's coming. Nobody cares about me. And I have a choice there. I can keep pointing towards God or I can be like, nope, okay, done, doing it on my own. I'm going to take care of myself. So, it's just kind of a rough sense of how these things work. That's not the end of this talk, okay? Because healing is a thing. And sometimes that happens in our imagination, in our memories. It usually begins just by lamenting from a place of woundedness, just telling God that we're sad or that we hurt. Just being sad about things that hurt is really, really important. So being sad to God, telling God about it. The Bible is full of what we call lamentation, of people just being sad about sad stuff. We live in a culture where can you be sad openly? Maybe at a funeral, right? But then by the luncheon, you better get fixed up because you got to talk to people and be nice, right? It's like you got two hours. You got a little time the night before, and then you got two hours. You better be done, which is so unhealthy. Also, if you ask me in public, how am I doing? I have to tell you what? Great. I often say live in the dream, a little pro tip, because nightmares are dreams too, right? There's all sorts of dreams. You can be living the dream and that can be anything. Anyway, that's not why I say it. But Yeah, so we just live in a culture where being sad, especially with other people, is like, ugh. But we need to be there with somebody else. So the Psalms, there's 150 Psalms. More Psalms than any other type are Psalms of lament, just being sad to God. 
And these were prayed in a community, like at the temple. So they got together. Imagine if we came to church and it was like, uh, our opening hymn is number 237. God, why have you abandoned us? Number 237. We're like, God, you have abandoned us. You said you were good, but then you left. And now our hearts are broken and we're sad. Like, we're not going to do that anytime soon. But it'd be healthy because it'd be honest sometimes. Anyway, first step is often just being sad being sad with God and inviting him into that place. It's really important. Oftentimes in that place of woundedness, when we start kind of turning towards God, we also feel, feel anger towards him. That is okay. And you can tell him about that. If you're angry at him, what do you do? You tell him, I'm angry at you. And again, you can tell him, Father Scott told me to do this. I don't want to do it, but he said I could. And if you have any problems with it, take it out on Father Scott and I can do that for you. Because he doesn't care. He just wants you to be honest. So you can vent the anger to him. That's, that's often an important part. Because both of those things, being sad towards God and venting anger towards God, is an invitation for him to come be there with us. So this young gal that I mentioned before that I was helping on a retreat, she has this moment in a tough time already, tears her ACL, falls down on the court. And as she just shares this moment with God, just feels sad about it, In her imagination, I mean, this didn't actually, well, yes and no. It did actually happen, but not in this way. In her imagination, she imagines just being there again on the floor, on the court. And she just imagines Jesus just sprinting out to be with her and then collapsing down on the court and holding her. Did that really happen? Kind of, yeah. But also kind of, no. So not in that way. People didn't see Jesus run out in his sandals and robe or whatever. But at the same time, was Jesus there in that moment? Yeah. Was he affected by her pain deeply? Oh yeah, absolutely. Did he draw close to her? Yep. She may not have been able to see it, but absolutely, 100%. And so what's happening in that moment, sure, it feels like it's her imagination, and it is, he's using her imagination, but Jesus is showing her what has always been true, and that's that he was there, and he cared, and he was with her. And only when we receive that love, oftentimes, are we able to kind of let, the, let go of these commitments that we've formed? Because like, if Jesus cares and if Jesus is there, then she doesn't have to figure everything out. And she doesn't have to do it all perfect. And she, it's okay if she needs help. And it's okay if she needs somebody to take care of her because he's there. And now, I would argue in a very real way, for the rest of her life, she can never remember that moment without Jesus. Like he's in that moment now. So it's not the same anymore. The wound has been transformed. It's still there. But also now it's a place of love. For me. The afternoon when my dad told me he was leaving. There's been times that that's come up in prayer. God can bring up our wounds. We don't again need to go digging for stuff. Um, yeah, but as I remember it, and in these moments of prayer... Just imagine feeling just super sad, feeling really abandoned and and lamenting there, being sad to God about it, even kind of raging against him sometimes. But then the image that comes to mind is God the Father kneeling on the carpet in front of me with his arms out to me. I just jump into his arms. And him just showing me like, hey, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to take care of you. I'm faithful. I'm never going to leave you. 
So now I honestly can't remember that day the way I used to remember it. When I used to remember it, I would cringe. You know that feeling? A memory comes to mind, and you're just kind of like, ugh. Like, you just, I can't. It's not like that anymore. That place is it's just a place of love now. It's still hard. It's still sad. Yeah. It didn't go away. But now there's people in that memory who love me. God the Father's there, and I know he loves me. So he has transformed it. And in some ways, that has enriched my heart. There's something, there's something beautiful about that. There's something, oh, there's something of the Paschal mystery where like, there's a death and resurrection going on there. It's like life has come into this place. And so it's new. It's different. So, I don't want to give the impression that this is always happening to me. Like, anytime anything bad, and I go and pray, and then like, boom, God, I'm like, yeah, 100%. Like, that's not always what's going on. But as we open these places of pain to God, they are transformed and he does do stuff. That might take time. It often takes time. Sometimes things come suddenly. But God is faithful. And when we open these things to us, he comes to attend to us. So please notice, it's not your job to heal yourself. It's not your job to fix yourself. That would just be more of the same problem. Because the healing that we need is love. And we need somebody else to do that for us. We need him to come and be with us in these things. Right? He enters into our pain. This is, yeah, in some ways, what, what we're going to be doing at um, the Stations of the Cross. Is, you can always do this on your own if you want. If you're like, I don't want to do this with a group of people, great. You can come in anytime and walk through the stations and just stop at each one and invite Jesus. Station number one, Jesus is condemned. Nice thing about these stations, they're labeled. You don't even need a book. So first one, Jesus is condemned. And you can just invite him, Jesus Show me a place where I've been condemned and you were with me. Where I was rejected, misunderstood, and that you were with me. And if he wants, he'll bring something up. If he doesn't, he won't. And that's okay. There's no, nothing magic here. There's not like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. No, he does what he wants. But as we receive his presence, again, these places of our heart, these places of our lives are transformed. They don't go away, but they are filled. They're filled with love. And it's like our hearts have been waiting for love and they can finally rest. Just one last thing. Um, there's typically two sorts of, of wounds. One is something happened to you. And that's kind of easier to remember. The other one is something didn't happen to you that should have. So maybe people didn't attend to you well. Or people didn't notice you. You felt overlooked. And that can be sometimes harder to see because it's an absence, it's a lack but that too can be a real place of, of woundedness in our hearts and, and God can attend to us in those places too. Okay, I'm going to... Uh, I think we're going to stop there. Thoughts? Um, questions? Um, yeah, from where we're at here.
No, that's a great question. So Aaron's talking about praying to persons of the Trinity, which is helpful to recognize. You can pray to God in general. That's, that's a real option. But also there's a richness of there are three persons in God and you can talk to each of them and you already have a different relationship with each one of them. And you're going to, so that's okay. And that relationship is unique to you. So some people just most easily connect with God the Father. Some people most easily connect with Jesus the Son. Some people most easily connect with the Holy Spirit. And I would say there's no right or wrong there. And, uh, and I know people that, yeah, for them it's like, it's just always God the Father. That's just their bread and butter. That's where they're at. Other people, it's like, no, Jesus is, they just have a really vibrant relationship with Jesus. Other people, like, uh, just, yeah, they and the Holy Spirit just really connect easy. So, I'll say there's no right or wrong. And very importantly, nobody in the group is offended, right? The Trinity is very secure. Nobody, there's not an insecure member of the Trinity where, like, you come to Jesus and Jesus is like, why don't you tell the Holy Spirit? He's getting kind of lonely and miffed that nobody talks to him. So, like, don't talk to him. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen. And in some ways, like, they're all, I mean, it's so dynamic. They're all in there. To, it's like, if you pray to one, you pray to all of them. But I would say just, yeah, trust what's most natural to you and don't feel like the other one's going to be put out in any way. And there will come a time, I mean, I can recognize times in my life where just really sense God the Father in the forefront. There's been other times where just entering more and more into a, a friendship, relationship with Jesus, and that's okay. And they were doing different things at different times, and, and that's okay. So... I think just to have a real freedom about that. Do what's helpful. And if you want to know one of the other persons more, then you tell them. You know? And then they'll take care of that. It's not nothing that we have to do. They will introduce themselves in their own way. That's a great question. Other thoughts, questions? And it can be about this, anything we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people, too, have experiences of, like, having, sometimes having a connection with God, and then afterwards feeling like, where did that go? Um, feeling left out. There, there is a way in which you and I are never going to be satisfied on this side of death. It's never going to happen. And even the saints and the church fathers tell us that a longing, our longing for God is itself the presence of God in us. So just desiring to be close to God is already God at work. And also, you know, we're, we're never going to be satisfied until we're dead. But also, too, you know, if we do feel like I'm on the outside and I don't know how to, do, to make this happen, in some ways it's like, well, you can't. You know, and I can't. And if it's going to happen, God's got to do it. Um, and just to even lament that, just to feel like, God, I feel like I'm left out. Like, I don't, I don't feel connected to you. And I don't know how to do this. I feel kind of helpless. Like, that's a beautiful prayer. I mean, it's really honest. You know, it's a, just a very true prayer. I think, yeah, sometimes prayer feels really poor. It feels like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this, and I really want to be closer to you, and I feel like it's just not happening. In some ways, that's the cry of the Holy Spirit in us that's crying out for a father. And so that's, okay, that's not bad. It's tough. 
It's tough, but it's not bad. But just wanting it, just desiring it is already the action of grace inside of us. That's already God working inside of us. I don't know if that is helpful or not, but other thoughts, questions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Yes, she's, if you didn't hear, um, she's saying, what about Mary, too? And a lot of people, yeah, so Mary's going to lead you to her son. That's the only place she's going. And the son leads you to the father. That's the only place that the son's going. And so you can absolutely pray to Mary. Um, just like you and I can have a relationship, you can have a relationship with Mary. She's another person. Is she God? No, but she's really close to him, and she can be very helpful. Uh, and so, too, like, there's people that want to have a relationship with Mary, but they don't, like, the rosary just doesn't do it for them. And that's okay. You can just talk to her. You know, it's not like Mary's like, um, please use the form, you know. What'd you say? Hello, Mary? It's Hail Mary. Yeah, nice try. No, like, so, absolutely. You know, and I know myself and others have had, yeah, just experiences of Mary kind of showing up in memories and being there. And um, Mary reveals to us a specific part of God's heart oftentimes. This is very tender, nurturing part of God's heart. She's a conduit of that to us. Um, yeah, so thanks for saying that. Absolutely. And again, you don't have to worry about the Trinity being like, everybody loves Mary. Yeah, she's so great. Like, they, nobody cares. As long as you're talking to somebody, they're all happy because they're all working together. They're all on the same team, you know. Let me check our time. We have a little more time. Any more thoughts, questions? No, yeah. No, I understand, yeah. Yeah, Mary's talking about, um, yeah, sometimes there's hard shifting gears from being raised, like, you know, you make the sign of the cross with holy water and you get two points, is it? So that's worth two points? Rosary is probably 10, 15. Okay, great. 10 points rosary. Um, Shifting from that to just this more just like talking to God, being in a relationship with him. Two things. Everything we're talking about up here, if it's helpful, great. If not, don't worry about it. Like, just ask God to take care of it. You know what I mean? And so we don't have to force anything. But at the same time, we also don't have to figure anything out. So if, if you want that, if you're just like, God, I want a deeper relationship with you, first just tell him that, right? Sometimes this is, I, I'm, you know, yeah, I am a priest. But oftentimes, I just think to myself stuff until, instead of telling God. I think, I want a deeper relationship with God. It's like, why don't I tell him that, right? Because when I tell him that, he's like, okay. I can do that. I know how to do that. And so I think you tell him. Also, we're all growing. Amen? Nobody's done. It's not helpful to compare each other because like, it's just not helpful. Um, and so we're all growing. So we're all on the way. And if you want more from God, tell him, I want more. And so it's okay. And, and unfortunately, too, I think, yeah, this sort of talk about prayer, it didn't happen in the church a lot for quite some time. And 
you know, I apologize on behalf of us for that. Because um, a lot of times priests weren't trained well in that same fashion. and So I think there's a renewal going on in the church, which is really cool and exciting. But also it just takes time. Everything takes time. So just if you desire something, A, the desire is already God's work. He would not have put that desire into your heart if he didn't want to fulfill it. So that's already good news. He's already doing stuff. Um, and B, he's the one that makes it happen. So if you want it, you tell him, and then you'll be like, all right, and now I quit because it's not my job. God, you do it. Quitting is very helpful for me. One of my mottos is never quit quitting. Right? As soon as I feel like I'm trying to force everything and make it happen, God's like, can you just stop? Like, God's like, hey, what if I actually love you? Right? Quit trying so hard to get me to love you because I'm not going to do that with you because I already love you. So if you would just stop it. And I'll be like, okay, I quit. I quit trying to force everything. I quit. Quitting for me is very helpful. So even there, it's like, God, I want a closer relationship with you. Don't know how to do it. This is hard. So I quit. Make it happen. I think, I don't, I'm not here to grade your prayers, but that's like AA plus in my book. Yeah. Okay, we're going to kind of shift gears and have some time for prayer. A couple of things. Um, if this specific topic, now, again, we could have talked about this. I'm sorry to just be like, healing prayer and then done. Because there's, we could have done seven talks on just today. Um, there's a great book called Be Healed by Dr. Bob Schutz. Dr. Dr. Bob Schutz runs a JP2 Healing Institute. Um, probably doing some of the best work, definitely in the United States, if not the world, on healing and prayer and just in a very authentic way with the sacraments, all that stuff. So the book Be Healed by Dr. Bob Schutz. Dr. Bob also has a podcast with somebody else called Restore the Glory. And there's a number of talks on, um, yeah, woundedness and healing. There's like four or five, six talks on it. Um, so if you're interested in that, um, that's also, yeah, Bob Schutz. Schutz is spelled S-C-H-U-C-H-T-S. Yeah, that's funny how to spell that. How many C's and shoots? Two, actually. Who thought? Okay. So those are resources um, if you're interested in it. Okay. Yeah, just the last word in this. I mean, we're at our last talk and last minutes of it. I think if nothing else, just a takeaway is just the very simple prayer. Lord, teach me how to pray. And he's faithful and he'll do it. And you don't have to figure it out. If you wrote a bunch of stuff down, you can burn your notes if you want. Right? Maybe they're helpful, but at the end of the day, like he's going to take care of you. Like, could a mother forget her child? Even if a mother forgot her child, he will, he will not abandon you. He will not forget about you. So hopefully this stirs up in us a desire for him, a confidence that he's good, he can do cool stuff, but at the end of the day, it's his job, not your job. And so we just, yeah, we just honestly, we just keep telling him, Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to enter deeper and deeper into relationship with you to receive your love, your presence in my life.